You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguda, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello, good morning and happy Sunday. Welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and on this edition, we're going to be discussing the rumour that Arsenal have made contact with Antonio Conte. And supposedly, an agreement has been reached, a preliminary uh, preliminary agreement, there you go, got it out in the end, uh, has apparently... Uh, been reached between the club and the manager should Mikel Arteta fail to turn things around dramatically in the next couple of weeks. Now, I titled the video with rumour at the start. I titled the episode with the word rumour because it is just a rumour at this point, okay? I know a lot of people will uh, sort of look at it and go, wow, come on, hopefully this happens. And I get that, I really do. But Let's be a little bit cautious about it. It is worth discussing because the rumours have gathered pace, have gathered wind. And Antonio Conte is a manager that I've got a really big opinion on. So for me, this felt like a really good talking point and one certainly, uh, or a discussion, sorry, certainly worth having. So what exactly does the rumour say? What exactly does the report say? Now, I'm going to take you through it. Now, the report originates from a Spanish outlet called Todo Fichajes, who, from my experience of working in this industry, are very, very hit and miss. A lot of the time, they miss. You know, let's be honest. I don't want to slag them off. I don't want to criticise them. But they do feel like a bit of a a sensationalist publication in the sense of I do feel that they really kind of jump on things and blow them out of proportion in order to get the clicks. And look, this has worked. You know, everybody knows the Arsenal fan base are unhappy with the current management. Everybody knows that the Arsenal fan base are are really upset, frustrated, disappointed with the way things have gone so far this season. And everybody knows that Arsenal fans would love to see Antonio Conte come to the Premier League and manage at Emirates Stadium. Now, we know Antonio Conte is currently out of a job after he left Inter. And we'll come on to talk a little bit more about why he left Inter and why the reasons he left Inter could be the same reasons he may not want to actually join Arsenal. Uh, So we'll get into all of that. But first off, let me take you through that report. Now, this is what the report says. It's, the, the headline is Arteta's days at Arsenal are numbered. Conte waits, waits his turn. Now, remember, this is a Spanish article that I've translated into English. OK, so if some of the wording doesn't quite make sense, that's why uh, it talks about how uh, Mikel Arteta will. And the word they use is radically change uh, things at Arsenal in the remainder of September if he's to keep his position. According to the information that we have, Edu and the Gunners' Board of Directors have already closed a preliminary agreement with Antonio Conte. It goes on to say that this will be done with the team's command from October. Now, it goes on to say that Antonio Conte will not entertain the idea of joining Arsenal if this doesn't happen by October. Antonio Conte, according to this report, sees October as a fair enough cutoff point where whereby he still has enough time to come into the job 
and turn things around and help Arsenal at least push towards their objectives. So uh, if Arsenal are going to do this, you feel like it's one they've got to do uh, very, very soon. Because as I say, Antonio Conte, according to this report, is not willing to let this rumble on till December, for example, and then come in and take on an impossible task. He feels that if this was to happen by October, by that international break in October, he would have the opportunity then to, to be able to turn things around the Arsenal. Now, again, as I said, right at the top of the show, do not take this as gospel. Do not take this as a... It's definitely happening because it is just a rumour at this stage. It's why I've titled the video and the podcast the way I have. But as I say, I've got a lot of feelings and thoughts on Antonio Conte, having followed his career very, very closely and being a massive fan of Italian football. Therefore, I felt this was worth discussing and one that I wanted to talk about. So let's take it back a little bit, OK, and, and start with the man himself, Antonio Conte. Why did he leave Inter? Now, there's been a lot of kind of mixed reporting on this. We heard that uh, Antonio Conte was disappointed, frustrated that he was going to have to sell one of his big names in the summer. We also heard from some outlets that actually Antonio Conte didn't really have an issue moving one or two players on. The issue that he had was that Inter were not going to back him in any way, shape or form so that he could try and push on and go to the next level. Remember, he ended an 11-year drought for Inter, uh, an 11-year trophy drought won them the Scudetto, you know, this dethroned, if you like, Juventus from their perch after they dominated the division for, for the best part of a decade prior. And so it was a massive, massive achievement. However, Antonio Conte wanted to take it to the next level. Antonio Conte is an incredibly ambitious manager. He, for me, is the best in the business when it comes to turning teams around quickly in terms of picking up a sinking ship rising it to the top of the ocean and then riding all the waves that come his way. He is very, very good at doing that. We saw it at Chelsea. He came in, I think they finished mid-table the season before Antonio Conte comes in, they win the Premier League. His second season at Chelsea wasn't all that great. They did finish in the top four and they won the FA Cup, but that was not deemed good enough uh, for Mr Abramovich. Now, we also know that as well as maybe clubs getting fed up of Antonio Conte, he is a bit of a ticking time bomb. He is not someone who will keep his mouth shut and will just get on with what he's told to do. He's not a yes man, which is what a lot of people accused Mikel Arteta of being and accused Arsene Wenger of being previously. Antonio Conte will not take that. And so while I'd be absolutely delighted if Arsenal were able to get this man in at the club, I do fear that the relationship between him and the board, and in terms of how Arsenal are looking to operate, would be one that would break down really, really quickly. Um, you know, that's that, that's my big worry. That's my big fear. That's my big concern. But if you get Antonio Conte here for two years and he can get you back in the Champions League and get you punching back at our own kind of weight, that would be fantastic, wouldn't it? And look, I've defended Arteta because I don't think everything going on at the club right now is his fault. Um I thought the outrage around Edu's interview yesterday was was over the top. I felt like, you know, I said it irritated me during the podcast and it did. It irritated me that Edu wouldn't really commit on, on a league position or anything like that. But I do think the reaction to it, you know, I said it irritated me, but some people were downright uh, fos uh, fed up about it and, and, you know, throwing their toys out of the pram and really kind of... Um, you know, making a big issue of it. And, and it was being talked about all night 
on social media. And I didn't think it was that big a deal, but it was a little bit disappointing. It was a little bit frustrating. And I think that lack of clarity sometimes, you know, with the fans obviously causes friction. But what I would say, just as a kind of reiterate the point is, do not think that just because Edu didn't come out and say what the club's objectives are to the public, that there are no objectives, that they are just, you know, acting completely blindly and not really thinking that far down the line. Arsenal would have set out objectives at the start of the season. They've kept chosen to keep them internal. And, and I know that people are frustrated and disappointed by that, but it doesn't mean that they don't exist. I've digressed a little bit, but the point is that Antonio Conte, if he was to join Arsenal, would know exactly what his remit is, exactly what he's being asked to do. Just because you or I or any other fan might not be made 100% aware and the club may not be totally transparent on that doesn't mean that there is no objective and it doesn't mean that they're just happy to be coasting along. Uh, eighth place, tenth place, whatever you want to call it. When we're talking about... Uh, you know, Mikel Arteta, and, and I know I was about to make this point and I went off on one, but when we talk about, when we talk about Mikel Arteta and what's happening at the football club right now, I'm finding it really, really difficult to, to attribute all of the blame on him. I think some of the blame is on him. Obviously, he's brought in some players who haven't been up to speed. He's made some decisions that have been questionable, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But I think the the bigger problem, the wider problem is the lack of structure at the football club. And I think when you don't have a structure, you need an incredibly strong manager. And Mikel Arteta, as good as he might be one day, is not that strong as a manager just yet. He's not been in these positions before. He's not dealt with difficult characters behind the scenes. He's not left the nest prior to joining this football club. And I think a lack of experience does come down to it. I think you could be a very, very good coach. And I believe that Mikel Arteta is a very good coach. And I think he will go on to be an incredible, you know, head coach and manager or whatever it is that he does moving forward. But I just think that this there was too much wrong here and the lack of a structure as well uh, has made this job even more difficult. Would it be a perfect environment for somebody like Antonio Conte? No, because it's not a perfect environment for anybody. It's very disjointed. It's very unorganised and it's very weak, in my opinion. But what I would say is that Antonio Conte has the experience, has the nous, has the strength of character and has a few, you know, other tricks up his sleeve off the back of experiences he's, he's had along the way that would probably make him better at this job. No, that would definitely make him better at this job than Mikel Arteta. So for all the defence that I've I've made of Mikel Arteta, I think I said this a couple of weeks ago on one of the shows. If you told me that Antonio Conte was happy to come to the club and that we could sign him tomorrow, I would have sacked Mikel Arteta yesterday, honestly, because that is the kind of manager that I wanted us to hire in the first place. But if Arsenal are going to sack Mikel Arteta off the back of a poor game against Norwich, and then dilly-dally around for a month and a half, trying to find the right man, only to make a cheap second-rate appointment like we have done, you know, twice now since Arsene Wenger's left, then that's why I'm kind of sitting here going, well, maybe you should just give him a little bit more time because because it's, it's one of those situations where it's, it's kind of like, let's sack him, but without having a plan. And Arsenal have never really had the right plans 
ever since Arsene Wenger moved on. You know, you could say that the club was declining during his time, of course, but it was never at this level, if we're being completely honest. It's gotten worse because Arsenal have picked players uh, and managers who have not been up to the standard required. And for me, you know, if you if you feel like the Mikele Arteta experiment has, has come to its end, it's come to its expiration date, then fine. Chop him, make the change. But you better break the bank and bring somebody in like Antonio Conte. Because I tell you what, Antonio Conte, he's not going to be cheap. He's not going to be accepting of strategies that he doesn't believe in. He will tell you what he wants the strategy to be. But there's a very, very high chance that he'll bring you the results that you want if you give him the environment to work in. So it's like anything in life, okay? A lot of the time you pay for what you get. You buy a hundred grand car, you get a lot more car than if you buy a five grand car, okay? That's just natural. That's just the way of the world. And you want a top manager, you got to pay top dollar. It's as simple as that. So as I say, I've defended Mikel Arteta. I've defended the club. Um, in terms of what they're at least trying to do this summer. I don't want to spend the rest of the kind of week in the build-up to the Norwich game talking about negatives because it feels like that's all we bloody do. Um, but for all of that, for all of me trying to stay positive and stay on the right side of the fence, I do feel that if a manager like Antonio Conte, who I believe is pound for pound, to use a boxing phrase, the best manager in world football today, then I would sign him. I would do it and I'd let Mikel Arteta go. And it's sad and it's unfortunate. And will I look back on it in years to come if Mikel Arteta goes on and does well elsewhere and think, yeah, you know what? Maybe um, maybe we didn't give him enough time. Maybe we didn't give him enough room uh, to work, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe I will. But I would never apologise for wanting one of the best managers, the best, in my opinion, manager in European football to come in and take over the reins. And look, if we get two, three years success out of it, uh, yeah, it's not looking at the long term. But Arsenal need to get back into that Champions League. That's the first port of call. And we need to do that as soon as possible. And this project, as I've always said, is something that we can get behind and we can support and we can talk about the transfer window and the way in which we identified certain players and then went and got them. But ultimately, we still don't know if this project is going to work. We we can sit and say that we've had a bad window. We can sit and say that we've had a good window. But again, as I said on yesterday's episode, really and truly, we will not know and we will not be able to make an informed judgment on how good that window is until further down the line. So I want it now. I want success now. I want Antonio Conte now. But I am having a bit of a hard time believing that the the conversation has gone this far. I am having a bit of a hard time believing that uh, Arteta has been given this ultimatum of, what, three weeks to sort the team out. I'm not saying it definitely hasn't happened, but given the way they backed him in this summer, given the way the club are talking, and obviously I don't expect them to come out and say, you know, Mikel's up against the ropes. If he doesn't beat Norwich at home next Saturday, he's gone. But I just feel... Um, I, I just feel that this would be lovely. This would be great. I'd feel a little bit sorry for Mikel Arteta, but he'd be collateral damage for me um, in Arsenal looking to move back towards uh, the top of the Premier League. I'm not even saying right at the top. I'm talking about challenging for Champions League places. I'm talking about finishing in the top six. And, and that's what the minimum 
I believe Antonio Conte would give you. Um, whereas Mikel Arteta, there's still question marks around whether he can do that. So, as I say, if Antonio Conte is willing to come, please, Antonio, I will take him now. I really, really would. Uh, but as I say, if Arsenal are going to muck around for another month and a half, looking at this manager, looking at that manager, linking us with every manager under the sun, only for us to then make another cheap appointment, then, you know, then then I would give Mikel Arteta a little bit more time because what's to say we're not going to be back in this, ex- this position with a new manager who needs to then rip out this squad and build a new one, um, you know, a year and a half down the line. So that's where I'm at. Uh, right, let's go over to the chat box and take some of your questions, some of your thoughts on this as well. I can see the chat box is popping off. Uh, Going to take as many uh, of your uh, questions and thoughts as I possibly can between now and the end of the stream. Don't forget as well, if you are watching us live or you're listening to this on Sunday, uh, the Arsenal women kick off their Premier League season um, or the Women's Super League season uh, today with a home game against Chelsea at Emirates Stadium. Now, myself and Casey Bourne of BT Sport are going to be bringing you our Arsenal women's show. That'll be coming out on Tuesday. So uh, looking forward to watching the game, bringing in uh, Casey to give you some some really good insight into the women's side and adding another string to our Chronicles of Aguna Bow. Uh, so brand new podcast weekly uh, coming your way. But let's go over to YouTube just a second. Um, over 420 of you watching us live right now. But we haven't even got 100 likes on the board. So come on, let's boost that up. Let's try and get that to 150-ish as soon as we possibly can. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. If you'd like to uh, click the join button below, you can do so. Or you can click on the link in the description. And uh, don't forget that this podcast is brought to you by the brilliant people over at manscaped.com. So for all your male grooming needs, head over to their website. Check out their fantastic range of products. And if you enter our discount code, which is rolling across the bottom of the screen. Uh, It's 90 min 20. You can save yourself 20% off of your order as well as free worldwide shipping. Right. Uh, What else uh, have we got? Let's go over to these questions and let's take some of your comments. Let's see uh, what it is that you guys have to say. Um, Michelle says, so Harry, are you officially Arteta out? Um. I'm having serious doubts about whether he can take us forward. And now it's the onus is on him to to prove those doubts wrong. I'm Arteta out if you're going to get Antonio Conte. Yes. I'm not Arteta out if you're going to get Graham Potter. I'm not Arteta out if you're going to underwhelm us again or if you're going to waste another month of the season looking for the right man only to appoint another person who isn't up to the standard. Because that stems really from my lack of trust in in the board, in the people running the football club, who I believe are a bigger problem at the moment than than probably Mikel Arteta. So, it, look, if Antonio Conte comes, you know, I like my car, but if you pulled up with a brand new Porsche outside my house and said, oh, do you want to swap your car? Then I'd swap it, wouldn't I? You'd swap for the upgrade. Uh, and that's where I'm at. Uh, let's see what else we've got. Um Samuel Omotayo says, what if Antonio Conte comes and Arsenal still don't get the results? What would you say? Then then the problems would be much deeper than everybody's suggesting, wouldn't they? Because everybody seems to think that this squad is better than what it's showing. Everybody seems to think that if, um, 
you know, if Mikel Arteta goes, our fortunes will turn around. If Antonio Conte, one of the best managers in world football, can't get a tune out of this group, then you have to look at the group. And and I think you always have to look at the group anyway. But there's a massive reluctance among the fan base to do that. People look at the group and go, no, this team is definitely better than eight. This team is definitely capable of challenging for the top four. And I would argue that it really isn't. Um, you know, I'd argue that it's better than where we currently are in the Premier League table right now, obviously. But to say that it's much better than the two consecutive eighth place finishes is is simply not true. Um, you know, I've talked about it before. And again, I don't want to slag the two two lads off. But when you're looking at Bukayo Saka and Emil Smith-Rowe, who we have put all of our trust in from a creative and attacking sense this season, or a lot of our trust anyway, the majority of it, you have to start to ask questions about whether they're actually ready. And yeah, they're ready at Premier League level, but are they ready at Premier League? I want to be challenging for Europe level. And when you think that Mikitari and Aniwobi in their full seasons under Unai Emery both produced more outputs than Emil Smith-Rowe and Saka, then you've got to ask yourself whether we are taking an almighty gamble uh, in trusting those two guys to lead us to that level. And again, it's not a criticism of them. I think they're both fantastic players. I think they'll go on to really, really good things. But it's it just shows a lot about where Arsenal are at the moment, the fact that we are pinning our hopes on those two guys. And you know what's going to happen. They're not going to be able to do it consistently over the course of the entire season, just like last season. And then people are going to start turning on them when actually they shouldn't be in this position in the first place. Uh, let's see uh, what else we've got. Uh, Roy Eaton with a really good question. Uh, would Conte coming in destabilise Edu's vision for the future? Probably. Uh, but the thing is that nobody seems to be on board with Edu's vision. You only have to look at social media to see the reaction to the interview he gave yesterday, which I didn't think, again, just to reiterate, I didn't think was that bad. You know, I thought that... Um, I thought that he came out to explain the transfer strategy. He explained that we were trying to improve the the foundations. He explained that we had a lot to do. He explained that the squad was very unbalanced prior and that we needed to move a lot of these players out. And having explained that, he got criticised for not committing to a league position. So it just feels like the mood around Edu and Arteta now is so bad that whatever they say, somebody will find something to have a go about. And, and I genuinely believe we're at that point with those two guys. And it's a long, long way back for both of them. You know, for Edu, it's very difficult. He's explained the strategy. No one buys into the strategy. But if he doesn't explain it, nobody nobody likes the fact that they're keeping quiet and that there is no transparency. It, it's, it's, a very, it's a very hard thing to kind of really make sense of because all the opinions seem to be so one way or the other. Like people assume that I think Edu is, is a God. No, I, I don't think Edu should have got the job in the first place. Just like I don't think Mikel Arteta should have got the job, but they're working under difficult circumstances. There is a middle ground here and there is a reluctance to, to stand in the middle, I guess, for a lot of people right now because of the kind of culture that we've created, whereby you have to be the manager out or you have to be a hardliner in terms of the manager in and 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 then when someone like me is a little bit more in the middle and is a little bit more i think open minded and is looking at both sides of the coin here 
people say you're a flip-flop and people say you're trying to get a job with the club and you know, I don't want a job with Arsenal Football Club. Why the hell would I want a job with Arsenal Football Club? So I what? So I can sit there and, and be told what I have to do and what I have to say, what I can't say. No, the, the, the reason I got into the media and doing what I do is because I was lucky enough to set up a platform and, and create a platform whereby... You know, I was able to express my views and get them out there. And and I've got a lot of work off the back of that. And I'm delighted and I'm pleased. But I didn't get there by being a puppet for the football club. I didn't get there by watering down my views. I got there because my views are strong at times. But I believe they're coming from the right place, first of all. And a lot of the time they're fair. And, and they're fair because I look at both sides of the coin. And I don't see how anyone can be fair without doing that. Let's, uh, let's, uh, I know I went off again on, on one, but it happens. It happens. That's the thing with live shows. Uh, Viking H says, Conte is not happening. Just delusional Arsenal supporters spreading disinformation. People need to get behind the team and the manager. All these YouTube channels do is spread negativity. Um, look, I don't think Conte is happening either. I said it right at the start. It's why I titled the thing as rumours. But what we do here on the Chronicles of Aguna is we bring you up to date with the latest news, with the latest reports, and we discuss them. Um, you know, this rumour didn't come from us, but we're talking about it. We're discussing it. And, uh, you know, I think that this is probably one of the few YouTube channels, and there is a, a handful of good ones, um, that good is not the right word. There's lots of good YouTube channels. There is a handful of YouTube channels that I think are built on that sensible discussion and not digging into people, slagging people off, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I believe this is one of them. What have we got? What have we got? What have we got? Um, Luke Williams says, I always felt I'd give Arteta till the start of November. If no improvements, he needs to go as Christmas period is important with so many games. Uh, Arsenal legend says, Harry, do you feel this project will work or is it a massive gamble to get us competing? I argue that I can't see Mikel motivating these players. Yeah, I think that's a different issue, though. I think if you feel that the manager is not motivating the players and is not able to get the most out of them tactically, then that is a fair and valid kind of concern to have. I think the thing with the project is, as I've said all along, it is a gamble. Any transfer is a gamble. And so when you go and bring six players in in one summer, then obviously you're taking a big gamble. You're taking a big risk. But I don't see how else Arsenal close the gap on those teams challenging for the Champions League. A lot of the teams that are starting to emerge now, i.e. Leicester City being the prime example, they've done it because they've bought well and they've sold well. And yeah, people say we don't want to be a selling club, but unless Mr. Cronky is going to get his checkbook out and go crazy, which we know he's not, unless he's going to adapt the uh, adopt, sorry, the Roman Abramovich approach or the Manchester City approach, it's not going to happen. So this feels like the only way that we're going to start to close that gap, that we're going to start to climb up the table. The club needs to be run well. It needs to be managed well. We need to be smart in our transfer dealings. We need to know when the right time to let players go is in order to make the most profit, to be able to then reinvest and keep the squad fresh and keep the squad moving. And there are a lot of different aspects of the club that need to be, you know, in the right place, that need to be kind of functioning properly for Arsenal to get to that place. So, yeah, it is, an, it is a gamble. Of course it is a gamble. But so is signing three... 60 70 million pound players uh, you know who might break down with injury or whatever there's always gambles in football 
I think we've tried the the other approach. I think now is the time to try this. I think it does, do you get there quicker with a better manager? Maybe, probably. Um, but it depends what you want. Do you want sustainable longer term success or relative success? Or do you want Arsenal to get back in the Champions League tomorrow? And and that is, you know, that is the the kind of conundrum, isn't it? Because if Antonio Conte comes in, I can guarantee you he'll bring a couple of players in that he wants at the first opportunity who will, for example, complement his system. They won't be young kids with a big future ahead of them. They'll be seasoned, experienced professionals. He'll probably bring Ashley Young and bloody Victor Moses here if, with him uh, if he had his choice. But that's... Um, that's the thing, isn't it? You've got to decide what it is that, that you want. And I think the club have decided now um, that they're in a place where they do want to go down this um, go down this uh, sort of longer term, longer term route, longer term plan um, and and see see where it takes us. Uh, right. Let's pick up. Uh, a few more of your comments. Uh, K95, who I assume is a Man United supporter, says, Harry, why is it you disrespected Emery for half the shit Arteta has done? First of all, I never disrespected him. Saying I don't think he's, he's the right manager is not disrespecting someone. It is having an opinion. I was never abusive to Unai Emery. I never called him names. I never got into all of that stuff. I just didn't think he was the right man. Ultimately, I was proven right. So I don't know why people keep bringing this up. Um, but also, I expected a lot more from Unai Emery because in my opinion, as I explained on a pod we done a, a few days ago, and if you haven't checked that out and you want to hear my reasons why uh, I feel this way, then you can check that podcast out. But I feel that Unai Emery, when he inherited Arsenal, they were in a better place, a stronger place. I believe his squad was stronger when he took over. And again, all of that is explained in that episode I've just mentioned. But I expect more from an experienced three-time Europa League winning uh, coach, someone who'd won the league with Paris Saint-Germain as well. I expected more from Unai Emery because he was Unai Emery. Mikel Arteta was a rookie and I didn't want the appointment in the first place. I argued time and time again to say that I wanted to see Carlo Ancelotti or someone of that ilk come in. We didn't get that, but I was willing to give Mikel Arteta the time and backed him because I realised that this was the route the club wanted to go down. So it's not a disrespect to Unai Emery. I, I still think Unai Emery is a decent manager. I just don't think he was the right for, fit for Arsenal. And I stick by that. Let's see uh, what else we've got. Um, 4737 Carlin says, did you see what Merson, a man with balls, said about the transfers at Arsenal? Come on. I mean, listen, I, I massively respect Paul Merson for what he did in an Arsenal shirt. Um, but if we're going to set Paul Merson as the benchmark, we got serious problems. If you're going to take what Paul Merson says as gospel, we got problems because Paul Merson, uh, you know, for all his talent as a footballer, is a horrendous pundit. That's my opinion. Uh, has been for years, has been a bit of a, you know, he's one of those people that you watch him because you know he's going to say something stupid that you can have a bit of a laugh about. You know he's going to say something over the top. There's a reason that our most successful manager ever bombed that type of character out of the club at the first opportunity. Um, you know, so no, I'm not. I'm not sit here and pretend that because um, because Paul Merson said something, it means it's true. I mean, or it means it's right. Respect for Paul Merson. 
um, you know, for, for what he did as a footballer and how talented he was as a footballer. But I don't respect Paul Merson as a pundit. I'm sorry, that's my that's my personal opinion. I sometimes he makes sense, you know, as all pundits do, they'll make a good point from time to time. Uh, but no, I'm not I'm not taking the Paul Merson thing as a as a, a valid argument in all of this. Um let's see uh what else we've got. Uh Clever Dan says that so art so Arteta is the right fit for Arsenal, he's asking. I mean, we've been over this so many times over the last few weeks. <laughs> Obviously, there are better managers in the world than Mikel Arteta. Okay? Clearly. Like, that's not even up for debate. For all the things that people have criticised Mikel Arteta for, one of the things he has done is been really strong in his views around certain things, around discipline, around attitude. At times, that has hindered him, in my opinion, because there have been talented players who have missed out, who have been sent out, who have been banished as such because of those values that he holds. Now, on the one hand, that's poor because, or, or it's a negative because it's impacted the results of the team at times, I believe, because we've sent players out on loan at times when we could have done with them. Um, you know, so in that sense, it's been a bad thing. But there are very few managers who would have come into Arsenal at the time that Mikel Arteta did and taken that hard line, knowing that we were where we were and knowing what kind of pressure would come uh, in order for us to kind of improve the results. So I think that Mikel Arteta actually has been incredibly brave. And I think that you you see the the shortcomings, you see the the faults, you see the things that he hasn't quite grasped yet as a manager at the highest level. But I do think he has had to make some really tough decisions that ultimately in the long term will be for the best. Weeding out the bad apples and getting rid of them and kicking them out of the club in the short term leaves us in a bit of a tricky situation and in the short term impacts results. But in the long term, it's for the best. You know, I genuinely do believe that. And you can't sit as Arsenal fans and say, oh, for 10 years, we had a manager who let everybody walk around and do whatever they wanted to do in Arsene Wenger. And he, he just let them get away with murder. And now there's no desire. Now there's no fight. Now there's no spark. Now there's no, um, you know, there's no commitment. And then bringing a manager who, when he doesn't feel the commitment, says to players, well, you're out. And then moan about that as well. Sometimes you have to go back before you go forward. Sometimes you can walk into a house that you've just bought and you can think on the surface, oh, you know, this place looks okay. I won't have to do much work to it. Uh, you know, I'll just give it a lick of paint and I'll change the flooring. And then you go to give it a lick of paint and you realise that the walls are uneven and there's cracks emerging and you need to replaster the walls and then you lift the floor and you realize that I can't just lay my lovely laminate floor on top of this because the floorboards are broken and they're not good enough and they're rotted and they're not safe and then you've got to replace that sometimes when you open something you open a can of worms you open something thinking that you've got one job and actually five or six jobs come out off the back of that so would a better manager have done better things would a better manager have seen us progress quickly maybe but would a better manager have been so strong in some of these situations or would he have put himself first and the results first? 
and in which case a lot of the problems would have continued to rumble on. So I don't have a problem with Mikel Arteta stripping it all back, starting again the way he has. I don't have a problem with him bombing players out if he doesn't feel they're the right players. But the further we get down the line and the more this becomes his team, the more pressure there is for him to deliver results. And I've said it all along. There is a lot of pressure on Mikel Arteta this season for sure uh, to deliver. But the other side is you're not looking um you're not looking at you know i say there's a lot of pressure on him and there is for the season i don't think that sacking him after three games when you've gone so big on the project is something that you're going to see the club do though if i'm being completely honest uh what else have we got let's see what else we got uh some of the comments look at me um apparently i'm a hired gun um apparently i'm looking to get my press pass where, where was that comment about the press pass uh apparently i'm trying to get a press pass here he goes uh maximus guys harry just wants his press pass so he can see it uh with everybody else asking heavily send some questions to his beloved manager let me just tell you something maximus i've already got a press pass i'm already accredited so i don't need to say or do anything to get that i've already got it mate do you want me to show you the card like is is that is that where you're going with this? It's nonsense. Um, yeah. And look, Jack, how much did they pay you to get on side, Harry? Uh, they pay me a, a lot of money, mate. You know, I'm sorry, but, you know, they pay me a lot of money and you got to eat. you got to pay your mortgage, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, uh, Adam Chisholm says, what's happened to the chat recently? It wasn't this bad and divisive before. Completely agree, mate. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's the way people are, unfortunately. As I said yesterday, we're not going to spend time um, too much time anyway. Um, we will put people in their place when they need it, but I'm not going to spend too much time going down that route because um, it is uh, it is uh, it is one of those things where it's the culture nowadays. You know, the, the, the frustrating thing is that half these people that give it on social media would not come up to me at a football match and say what they say um, and and insult me and do all of that jazz. And, and if they did, I promise you, they'd end up on the floor. Uh, so they won't do it. It's just keyboard warriors. And unfortunately, because of the way the kind of world has gone and because of the power we've given to kind of people on social media, uh, we've ended up in a place where we where people that act like that uh, get away with it. And actually, in the real world, face to face, you don't get away with half of that. And uh, half these people wouldn't even have the balls to come up and say it. So uh, it is what it is. But anyway, uh, let's say a few uh, big, um, uh, big hellos uh, to uh, Mike, to uh, to Jake. To Raphael, who's watching us from Singapore. Hope you're well, mate. Uh, Mark Williams says, Harry, do not listen to this childish rubbish. I think the match day fans are totally different to the internet meltdown fans. Completely agree, mate. Completely agree. Uh, what else have we got? Um, just having a look. Uh, Yo-Yo says, do you agree with Edu's point regarding not wanting to replace Jacoparte? Look, I think with Edu, he's talking about things. He was being asked questions about that some of them are to do with um, that. Some of them are to do with the manager's job and not necessarily his. And so you're asking him about team selection stuff. And I don't really know uh, what it is that people 
want him to say. You know, he can't say one thing and then Mikel Arteta does something else. It's clear that Granit Xhaka is the other senior midfielder alongside Thomas Partey at the club right now. You know, that might change over the course of the season. Um, I've, said, I've said it in recent weeks. If we are going to, um, if we are going to move forward and kind of develop this team and we do want to press people higher up the pitch, then we're going to have to get to a point where Granit Xhaka isn't part of that. Um, and that's why I was really, really surprised that we kept him. I wasn't surprised that we kept him. I was surprised that we kept him if the opinion or the view within the club was that we were going to try and uh, that, that we were going to try and move forward by pressing teams. It just didn't fit for me. If you told me he was going to play in the role he played last year, where he sat in front of the back four and defended and played from deep, then I thought, fantastic. Um, but, you know, th to ask him to press up the pitch is, is not going to work. You know, it's simple. We've known that for many, many years. And that, if that is something we continue to see, Granit Xhaka being asked to do a role that he clearly can't do, then obviously that is on the manager for sure. Let's see uh, what else uh, we've got. Uh, Abdallah says, Harry, as a Chelsea fan, we have clear transparency between our club and the manager. Why is it wrong for your fans to demand the same from your club? Edu came across as very cocky and shook. He didn't come across as cocky at all. Um, I don't think he, you know, you're talking about transparency. It is such a, Chelsea's a completely different model. And, and I wish, I wish, um, I really do wish that some people would kind of take a step back and look at the way Chelsea operate and accept that it's completely different to Arsenal and we cannot afford to operate in that way. Okay. You know, you look at Chelsea, middle of a pandemic, Frank Lampard, not doing the business, club legend, nobody gives a shit, sacked, gone, out the door. In comes Thomas Tuchel. Bearing in mind, Frank Lampard going into that, Second season spent an absolute fortune. Okay, he gets sacked. You bring in Thomas Tuchel. He does really well in the second half of last season, and then the summer comes, and you go and get him a hundred million pound striker. Okay, now we can't do that. Arsenal can't do that. Arsenal can't keep sacking managers every five minutes because Arsenal can't afford to keep reinvesting in whatever it is that manager wants so that in the short term they can prove themselves. It is a very different operating model. We don't have a sugar daddy at Arsenal who every time things are not going well, um, you know, says, here you go, go and get this player, go and get that player, go and get this player, go and get that player. You, can, you need a striker, here you go, go get the best one in the world. You need a, a defender. Here you go. Go and get the best one in the world. We can't do that. We don't have it. Um, and, and, you know, and Arsenal fans need to accept that. We're financially, in terms of what we can spend on transfers, us, Tottenham, Leicester, West Ham, etc. We are not on the same planet as Manchester City, Chelsea and Manchester United. You know, Liverpool are similar to us. They've spent their money very well over the years. They gave a manager some time uh, to get things right, to find the squad that he wanted to develop that squad. He obviously benefited massively from the sale of Felipe Coutinho, reinvested that money really, really well and got them up to the level, uh, to the highest level. And Jurgen Klopp deserves a lot of praise for that. Um, as did Liverpool as a football club for giving him the time. But, you know, you cannot compare the models at City, United or Chelsea with Arsenal, Liverpool, Tottenham, Leicester. It's a different league. It's a different world financially, unfortunately. And um, 
you know, that's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. Right. We are going uh, to leave it there. Uh, I will catch you all very, very soon. Until next time, uh, take care of yourselves. Enjoy your Sunday. Check out the Arsenal women's match if you get the opportunity as well. Show the ladies some support. And we'll be talking about that on our upcoming women's football show uh, on Tuesday. Myself and Casey Bourne from BT Sport will be all over that. So looking forward uh, to recording our first one. Uh, big thank you to everybody in the chat, all the people that are sensible in the chat. Uh, as to for the rest of you who just throw stupid abuse and say stupid comments, I hope you find something more interesting to do for the rest of your Sunday. Until next time, take care. Bye-bye. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.